We are wrapping up a sermon series today that we started a few weeks ago. This is the last day, and the series has been called Living Debt-Free. Living Debt-Free. Now, what we've been talking about is not financial. It's not a financial series. It's been really two things. It's been a a relational series and an emotional series. We're talking about finding emotional freedom. But we found that every one of these concepts in living debt-free is a relational, has a relational component to it. And if we don't deal with the relational side of it, we won't find the emotional freedom. We want to live debt-free. So what we've talked about these last few weeks, and just a quick reminder because we have time to do so today, is I wanted to remind you, we've talked about, first week we talked about the, the debt that I owe you, that I've wronged you in some way, and mo- many of us have done something wrong to somebody at some point, that I owe you relationships difficult, and we, well, most of the time we can't fix it. There's nothing we can do to undo what we've done to owe somebody the things we've done. But what we can do to, at least on our end, do our part relationally and for our sake to find emotional freedom is, is found in confession. To go to them and say, hey, listen, I own my end of it. I admit it. I'm not denying it. I acknowledge it. I apologize. Is there anything I can do? Will you forgive me? If they don't, that's fine. That's their prerogative. We can't control that, but we can do our part through confession to uh, do our part with our debts to uh, find that freedom. We talked uh, the next week about uh, people who owe us. You owe me. You owe me. People who've wronged us, and sometimes they're not even sorry for it, or they don't even know what they did, or they don't seem to care, and you owe me, and there's nothing they can do to fix it anyhow. And we talked about the power of forgiveness. That forgiveness is canceling a debt. It's saying, you know, you can't pay it anyhow, so I forgive you. And they may or may not even care, but, but by you doing what you're, on your end what we can do with that relational hurt, you find emotional freedom in doing so. Last week we talked about... Uh, I owe me. I owe me. That's greed. That's, um, that's uh, I got to owe myself this. And I want you to struggle with that. That's a hard, very ominous one because we don't see it in ourselves. But it is relational. Because we look at the world around us and we say, I'm not going to help people around me. I'm not going to meet their need because it's not my problem. Because after all, uh, I got my own things to worry about and I owe me. And so greed makes us poor relational people because we don't think about others when we're thinking about it being for our own consumption. The assumption that it's all for my consumption. So I owe me. So we said that the power to deal with that is found in generosity. It breaks the power of greed. Today we're going to wrap up this series. But before we do, let me take a, a quick moment here to say that all of these things um, are relational, but they are emotional. And if, if along the way you could have had one of two emotions listening to the sermon. You, you, you could have been through the last few weeks saying, boy, that's good, that's, that's what I can do. That's what I can do to solve that debt I feel or feels owed to me. That's how I can address that issue in my life. Or you could be sitting there getting defensive at one of them saying, you have, don't know what you're talking about. How dare you speak into my life that way? You don't understand why I feel the way I do. Either of those is better than a lethargic sitting back and not caring, I guess. I mean, just sitting back and sleeping through the service and not caring, that's the worst thing. Because even if you're stirred passionately in a negative way, at least you're being stirred. And I want you to ask yourself why that is. It'd be easy during our first week about confession and IOU for someone to say, Arlen, you don't understand. It's impossible to go confess to somebody what I've done because I don't think they'll be very warm. And I've been through enough already and I don't put that on me. And I understand. I understand that. 
But it's, it's not just for their sake, although I think it's for their sake, it's for your sake. And if you have that tension, why, lean into that. Why? You can get mad at the scriptures, get mad at the communicator, get mad at, at everything. But why is that a hard, why is that a rub? Is there something that you should be leaning into? Forgiveness. Boy, it'd be easy to sit back during forgiveness and say, you know, they owe me. How dare you tell them that I should, we should forgive them? They, I've already the victim here, and now you're putting more on me. But, but what we're talking about is, is not only what they need for their sake, but what you need to find emotional freedom for your sake. And if, if that's a rub, if that, if that rubs up against you in a raw way, lean into that. Why is that? Is it because of what the scriptures say? Is it because of what the communicator says? Or is it something with me? And, and should I rebel and run from that? Or should I lean into that pain and that tension and say, what needs to be done in my life? Last week was great. It'd be easy to sit back and say, how dare you? I've, life is tough enough and don't you know, interfere with that part of my life. And you just after something for yourself, which is not true, obviously, and we made that clear. The point is, why is that a trigger? I hope through the last three weeks you've been given inspiration to say, now I know how to address I owe you, you owe me, and I owe me. Now I know what to do. I know to confess and forgive and be generous. But if you find in any of those topics a rub, a tension, and you want to misdirect that to somebody or something else, ask yourself, what is that? If that spot's sensitive to touch, Sometimes you need surgery, and surgery is not fun, but it's solving a bigger problem. And if sometimes leading into something going on in your life feels tender, maybe that's good. Maybe it needs to be addressed. So today will be no different. Today, the last part of finding emotional freedom, the last living debt-free topic we're going to discuss is under the topic of jealousy. Now, I don't mean jealousy like you're, you're, you know, some guy flirted with your wife and she liked it. I'm not referring to that. I'm referring to, um, as, you know, there's, uh, I'm referring to what we used to use, the old word we used to use in the old days was envy, envious. We don't, now we, always, we all say jealous now, almost interchangeably with what we used to mean by envy is jealousy, right? Like, or, or as the kids say, jelly. I am so jelly right now. Did you say that still? Is that a thing? That was a thing, kids, wasn't it? Uh, jelly? I'm a, I, the problem with the kids is you can't keep up with their words. They change so fast. As soon as you find out, as soon as you find out what word is cool, it's already outdated. And by the way, mom and dad, here's a little life hack. If your kids have words that they think are cool, you can ruin them by using them a lot. It just takes them right off their vocabulary. It's a beautiful thing. It's kind of like how they dress. If they dress a certain way, you know, just that way yourself, it'll just ruin it for them completely. It will not be cool anymore. So I just, I'm telling you, I came out one time and I had my shirt rolled up to show my belly and it was like a whole top and my, kid, my, kid, my girls were barfing. It was like, what? It's just the look, you know? So anyhow, um, so use the words, you know, so I'm jelly, that's jealous, right? What are all the words I've been told? Okay, a while back ago it was, because I'm still stuck in the 80s, you know, so, but they were saying bougie, but I think bougie's already gone, is that, is that still a thing? Are you just very bougie today? I'm just very bougie today, okay. Bustin', bustin', we're, that food is bustin' is what it is, right? That food is bustin'. I said, you didn't know, some of you are, I'm educating some of you old people here, okay? And so you go home today and you're eating the food, at Mother's Day you sit there and say, man, that food is bustin'. And you're welcome, I've, I've enriched your life. Um, hey, all you who have a girlfriend, you guys, or a wife, or whatever, look at her today and say, you're my shoddy bae. You're my shoddy bae, okay? That's the way you do it, right there. You're welcome, I'm just helping you out. Um, anyhow, so, be jelly, okay? That's our topic today. Okay. So, jealousy. 
Jealousy is a thing. Now, here's the thing about jealousy that I want you to understand. It is very unhealthy for you and for me to be jealous. So, for example, uh, there's a couple of messages in Proverbs. If you've, ever, if you've ever read the book of Proverbs, you ought to read it. It's really awesome. It's like a book of fortune cookies, just little one-line nuggets that you can just take and say, that's really good. And um, in Proverbs chapter number 14 and verse 30, here's what the, the proverb says. A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. And a lot of your Proverbs, not all, but a lot of them are written with contrasting statements. Like here's the one side and here's the contrasting side. So on one side, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. But on the other side, it says jealousy. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. Interesting. To expound further on it, in Proverbs 27 and verse 4, it says this. Anger is cruel and wrath is like a flood. Now that, that speaks to what we discussed a few weeks ago. You know, the uh, guilt, the anger, the greed that we deal with, those things are all bad. But, but jealousy is even more dangerous. Jealousy is even more dangerous. Isn't that interesting? Jealousy is dangerous because it shapes our attitudes towards other people. It is hard to actively love someone you're jealous of. It is hard to actively serve someone you're jealous of. And here's the, the weird thing. The person that you're jealous of, they can do nothing to solve it. There's nothing they can do because they aren't the problem. If it was not them, it would be someone else. They're not the problem. But what happens is we sometimes want them to be the problem because we're jealous. So we make them the problem towards us, but they're not the problem. Nothing they can do. They don't even know about it some, most of the time. If it wasn't them we were jealous of, we'd be jealous of someone else. So jealousy takes control of our attitudes towards people. Our attitude towards people who've done nothing more than pull ahead in a race that they weren't even aware they were in sometimes. Isn't that crazy? Like we all of a sudden look at them as competitors and we get jealous and they don't even know that's, that's not even a race they're trying to run. They're busy being happy for what's going on in their life and all of a sudden we got these jealous competitive feelings and now we're upset with them and what are they supposed to do about it? They've excelled in some area that we deem to be important and we hate them for it. You know, we want to look good and, 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 and we're mad because she's a size two. That's disgusting. That kind of is. Actually, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, he's, he, he has what kind of car? Oh, wastefulness. She, uh, he had what promotion? He's please, I've worked better than that. You know, they, they're an influencer. If everyone only knew them the way that I knew them. You know, all the things that come creep into it. And, and oftentimes we get upset with people for excelling in an area that we deem as important and we hate them for it. And jealousy turns into resentment towards people simply because they've had breaks in life and opportunities in life that we didn't get. And that's the relational side. What it's doing on the emotional side is it's driving a wedge not only to hurt us, but to hurt our relationship spiritually with our, with our maker, with our God. Because at the core of it, if um, guilt says, I owe you, and bitterness or anger says, you owe me, and greed says, I owe me, jealousy ultimately says that God owes me. 
that God owes me. Because that's the real problem, isn't it, when it comes down to it, is that God owes me. When we see others that have what we don't have, we wonder, why not me? Oh, okay, so they got something. That's nice, but why not me? Uh, we may not even mind them having it, but God did not have to skip us. I mean, okay, they have a nice, they got a promotion, that's fine, but why not me? Okay, so, you know, everyone loves them, and they, they have got, you know, they, they've got some kind of a, you know, they're popular, why not me? They, they got a raise, they got an opportunity, they had an investment turn, turn good for them, awesome, why not me? We don't mind them having it, but God didn't have to skip us. There's an inequity that God could have remedied. We think we're jealous of people, but the truth is, the irony is that there's nothing those people can do about it. And by the way, if they could do something about it, it wouldn't help. It'd probably make it worse. Imagine if you're jealous of your neighbor because they hit it rich and big and they got new cars and new everything, a new pool in the back, and you're like jealous of them for it because why, why did you not get all those things? And then your neighbor comes over and says, I sense that you're jealous, so here I wanted to give you out of my abundance, I want to give you, you're like, oh, nah, just, why can't I just have, you know, yeah. They, they can't solve the problem. What are they, what are they supposed to do? Like say, I've decided to destroy my life to make you feel better. You know? I mean, really, silly as that is, like people we're jealous of, do we really think, that we, would we be happy for them to destroy their influence if they're influencers, their wealth if they got wealthy, their, to blow, ruin their job if they got a promotion? Would, would it make us happy? If it would, we ought to look closely at our hearts. And if it wouldn't, then why are we jealous? Because the real issue is not them. It's God. Because they can have those things, but why did God skip me? God owes me. But the pro here's why we don't say it that way, because we can't consider God to be the problem, especially if you're a Christian or any all, you know, God-minded, because it feels so wrong to say that. So we misdirect it instead. And so jealousy ultimately is misdirected and it's hard to conquer. But we've got to understand that the problem is not with them. There's nothing they can do about it. There's nothing that we they, we'd want, really want them to do about it. We're just mad. And we, 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 we take it out on them. We gossip about them. We undercut them. We are passive-aggressive to them. But, but it's really not them. There's nothing we, could, we think they could do about it. It's really God. We read a verse last week when talking about greed that I want to come back to because it's so good for today's talk as well. I want you to, to read the verse and the verse after it today with me in light of today's talk of, of, of jealousy. It's found in 1 Chronicles 29. David, King David is talking here. Here's what he says in verse 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord. And this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. And then he adds this in verse 12. He says, wealth and honor come from you alone. That's very important. Wealth and honor come from you alone, Lord. He said, well, it comes from someone's hard work. Well, where'd they get the life? I mean, some people don't have life. They, don't, they are alive because of the grace of God. The strength to get out of bed, to function, the capacity, the, the tools, the gifts, the talents, the opportunity, the good luck, the luck, the fortune, whatever you want to call it. All that happens to make someone be in the right position with the right energy, the right gifting, in the right place, right time, to have it is beyond any person. Wealth and honor, David said, comes from you alone. For you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand. And at your discretion, people are made great and are given strength. 
In other words, David's acknowledging that when people have something, ultimately, if it's me, whether it's you, God is the one who is the reason. And that means that if I have something that I can't take credit for, I give God the glory. And if you have something for it, I can't hate you, I gotta give God the glory. <laughs> I gotta give God my anger because you're the one I'm upset with. He's the one that did it. So here's the thing. Our jealousy is really just that we aren't getting what we want. Now I want to make this very, this statement right here is so understated today. I, I told Anthony earlier, I want to do a whole sermon in the sometime near future, weeks or months, on just that thought right there. Because that statement is the problem with every fight you have with your husband or wife or your children or your parents or every person in your life, or the jealousy we feel. If you, if you can just step away from the heat of the moment and the anger and the misdirected blame and all the other stuff, ultimately, every time, the real problem is, I'm not getting what I want. Maybe that's legitimate. Maybe it's not. Maybe I think it is. It doesn't matter. I'm not getting what we aren't getting what we want. And that's what jealousy is. Ultimately, I'm not getting what I want. We struggle with that. And the problem is that our dissatisfaction ends up getting reflected off of those around us. But they are not the source of our problem. They're merely reflecting back to us what originated in our own hearts. And so ridding the heart of jealousy begins with taking a long, hard look in the mirror, not across the street, not across the aisle, but in the mirror. We think the problem is elsewhere. We've got to look within. Focusing on others fans the flames of jealousy. Focusing on our own hearts begins the process of quenching it. And so, first thing we have to do is isolate the problem. And then once we do, the next step is simple. The first part's the hard part. It's isolating it. It's all we've been discussing the last few weeks. It's like identifying that I am in an IOU relationship or identifying that I am bitter and angry because someone owes me or identifying that I have a greed issue that I don't think I have because nobody has that. Or identifying that I'm jealous. And identifying that it's not towards you, that I resent you, but it's not really you. I've misdirected my resentment. I've misdirected my jealousy at you. My real problem is God, because God owes me. Once we get that figured out, that's always the hard part. The simple part is what to do next. Once we've identified the problem, the next step is simple. Whatever it is that you want, and I want, but we don't have, what you don't have, Take it to the only one who can do something about it. Take it to the only one. Because again, what are you going to tell that person? I'm jealous of how good you look. Mar yourself. Punch yourself in the face. I'm, you know, what, what are you going to say? You know, ruin your life. I'll feel better. No, I won't. Take it to the only one. When you're jealous, the only one who can do something about it. And what I mean by that is this. Your complaint your gripe, your grievance. Pour it out to him. Tell him how unhappy you are. Seriously, like go to God and say, God, Lord, you could have done better for me. I think you owe me. Seriously, like he's big enough to handle it. He's heard worse. And it's better that you do that to him than that you keep misdirecting it to that poor person that you're jealous of. It's, it's, it's not right that that person is having to take what should be. You know what it's like to have a blessing in your life and you want to enjoy your blessing and then someone comes along and ruins it and you're trying to enjoy your blessing, but someone spoils it. And for you to come along and be raining on their parade because you're jealous of them, it's, not, it's, it's misdirected. 
Don't misdirect it anymore. Take it to the one who can do something about it and say, God, I think you owe me. I'm not going to take it out on them. I'm going to take it out on you. At least you're in the right zip code when we take it to God. Now, if, you, if, it, feel, if it feels daunting to you to suggest that God owes you something, you are on the verge of a breakthrough right now. If it feels hard for you to say that God owes you something, you're right there on the verge of a breakthrough. Because the truth is, is that you are understanding that when you come to God with that statement, because it really is his problem, we're reminded instantly how much we owe him. Right? Like everything. He's done so much. In fact, one of the best things you'll ever do is to start recalling all that God has done for you. I can't tell you how many times in my life, in fact, I probably have either have or will tell the story too many times because when I, have a, when I have a signature moment in my life, I tend to want to hold on to it and pass it on. But I remember back a number of years ago our church, uh, in, I think it's 2011, 2012, a couple of years there, our church was in a different place, different building. We were in a different movement, an IFB weird background that I came from. Um, all my life, and we were unhealthy as a church, and we were unhealthy as people. We had unhealthy people. It was just a healthy culture. And there was so much toxicity in, in that era. And I remember being so emotionally worked up. I was, I, was at the, I was pastoring for 13, 14 years at that point, and I was at just really, I was just crushing under the load. And I remember a season of my life then when I would go out, and, and I, I mean, I was dealing with toxic people calling me, I was dealing with issues that were just silly, and I was just unhealthy. And sometimes I would leave my house. We lived in Lowell at the time. I'd leave my house in Lowell, and I'd take a walk just to vent to God about the frustrations that I was dealing with with this situation or this person or this thing. I just want to go talk to God because I was so emotionally frustrated, unhealthy. And, and I'd go out there, and, and I'd, I'd start, and I'd just catch myself at the beginning saying, you know what, I shouldn't start with my complaint. I should start, I should enter his gates with thanksgiving. I should enter his courts with praise. Psalms 100 verse 4. So I say, okay, God, before I complain, I'm going to tell you, thank you for, and I would just start thinking of all the things I was thankful for. And there's a lot. The problem is usually when our, our problems are up and close and personal, we can't see past them, so we forget there's anything good going on. And when our, you know, but if we get our eyes on the good things, the problem seems, it's, it's funny how that works. And so I start saying, God, you've been so good, and thank you for this, and you've done that. And before long, I'd find the temperature inside of me was lowered right down. And after a while, I felt humbled and silly almost to say, God, I'm so worked up. And my, whole, my, my prayers changed. I still would pray about the problems. But the tone of my prayers, the attitude of my prayers would change because the temperature went out of the room because I gave thanks. Because you take it to the one, and then you remember, he's done so much for me. And that will solve jealousy most of the time. Go to God and say, God, I've been, I'm, I'm mad at them, but I can't take it out on them. They're not the problem. It's not their fault. It's you. Let's talk about that. And then start remembering and recalling all that he's done for you. He gave us forgiveness. He gave us mercy and grace, all the things that we don't deserve. And what we want, what we want that God has not given us pales in comparison to what he's given us that we have desperately needed. He doesn't owe us anything. We owe him everything, including an apology sometimes for holding a debt against him that he's not really on the hook for. So, 
if we've given you, we've given you secret key words to finding emotional freedom and break, living debt free. Week one, we said, if you, I owe you is your struggle, confession is the key. If you owe me is your struggle, then forgiveness is the key. If I owe me is your struggle, greed, then generosity is the key. And today, if God owes me is the struggle that you're having today, if you are struggling with jealousy, the key today, I want to send home with you in a little bit here, the key is celebration. Celebration. And what that means, it means, it means celebrate. Okay, I'll stop. Sorry. It means, it means three things. I want you to write these down. Remember these three ways we celebrate when we're struggling with jealousy, when we're struggling that God owes me. First thing is this. Celebrate God's goodness to you. We've already kind of discussed this one the last few minutes, haven't we? Like if God's been good to you, celebrate that. Before you go and, you know, at least stop misdirecting your anger at somebody else or your jealousy at somebody else and aim it at God, at least start by celebrating God's goodness to you. And I think it will solve so much and heal so much and set so much free inside of you. Celebrate God's goodness to you. Praise him. I love the psalmist, what the psalmist says in Psalms chapter 9 and verse 1. It says, I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done. I will be filled with joy because of you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. And in Psalms 106 and verse 1, he says, Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his faithful love endures forever. Who can list the glorious miracles of the Lord? Who can ever praise him enough? And who can list the, the goodness of God? We can sing about the goodness of God, talk about the goodness of God, but ultimately it's hard to write it all down because there's so much we forget it all. And then we have to remember more later, oh yeah, who can list it all? Celebrate God's goodness to you. The secret, second secret to celebration, to break the chains of jealousy, is to celebrate God's goodness to them. Celebrate God's goodness to you and then celebrate God's goodness to them. Because as David said earlier, God does it. It's his discretion who gets blessed. And if he blesses me, I'm going to celebrate his goodness to me. If he's blessing you, I'll celebrate his goodness to you. And if his goodness to you looks a little bit better than his goodness to me, that's okay because it's all his goodness and I'm glad he's good. There's a verse I'm going to give you now to make this point and the next point. That is the most important verse I'm going to give you all day. If you remember one thing from this message, remember this Bible verse. In fact, this is the most important verse I'm going to give you. When I, when I prepared this message the first time, this is the first verse that came into my mind when, the, when we created the series. And if you want a sticky statement or a, 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 quick, a quick quote from the sermon, take it from this Bible verse. This is the most important thing you'll hear all day. It's found in Romans chapter 12 and verse 15, and it goes like this. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. That's it. That's the, that's the gold nugget right there. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Why? What does that mean? Well, first of all, what it means, is, the first thing it means is that I have to start thinking about you instead of me because there's a lot of me monsters in the world. Right? A lot of me monsters running around. Like and we, you get those people in your life who they get around you and it's always about them. And if you're telling them about your situation, like, oh man, I'm having a hard time, they're like, oh, that ain't nothing. Don't wait to hear my story. Oh, well, I'm sorry to tell you my, you know, 
my, my nothing story, you know, let's hear yours. Um, or they're like, if you have something good happening in your life, you're like, hey, this is great. Oh, yeah, well, I did better than that. He's always got that whole competition going on. And you're like, oh, man, hate the me monsters, you know. And so don't be that. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. That's the big idea. Now, here's what we're saying here. It's, it's being able to go to somebody else, and when they're upset, you don't sit there and say, oh, that's silly. I've dealt with worse. Oh, get over that. Well, just try. It's being able to stop and say, I'm so sorry. Let me hear about that. I'm heartbroken with you. And it also means that when something good's happening to somebody, to say, not, not to say, well, don't be too proud, or oh well, or I've done better, but to stop and say, man, that's awesome. Tell me about it. I'm happy for you. Now, let me tell you something that I've learned in my years of adulthood and ministry. <laughs> it is far easier to weep with those who weep than it is to be happy with those who are happy. Let's just be real. If someone's having a hard time, I can weep with them as I'm like, oh, that's terrible. Hope it doesn't happen. Don't, hope it doesn't happen to me either. I'm so sorry for you. But if something good happens to them, I'm like, oh, how nice for you. Oh, that's great. You know? I mean, be happy with those who are happy. That's harder than weeping with those who weep. That's where it gets difficult. Celebrate. God's goodness to you and God's goodness, God's goodness to them. But I don't miss, there's an important word in this verse that I don't want you to miss. The, the verse says, be happy for those who are happy. No, it doesn't. It says, be happy with those who are happy. That's a big difference. Which brings us to our third point. Not only should we celebrate God's goodness to us, to me, and God, celebrate God's goodness to them, but number three, celebrate God's goodness to them with them. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who are weep. Celebrate God's goodness to them, with them. This one point here is the principle behind that Bible verse we just showed you. This point right here is the essence of, of changing everything with jealousy. This is the secret sauce in, 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 in a jar. Celebrate the success of those you tend to be jealous of. Go out of your way to verbally congratulate them over their accomplishments. You say, Arlen, that's so hard. I know, because we're so jelly. So jelly. Um, I know. But here's the thing. Go to them and celebrate their accomplishments. You say, well, that's, I can't do that sincerely. You can. You could be sincere. Look, she does look good in that dress. That is a nice car he's driving. They did do a good presentation at that meeting. I mean, that's true. It's not a lie. So, so go to them and say, hey, you did great today. Hey, congratulations. You did a great job with that. Hey, I got the promotion. That's wonderful that you got that. Congratulations to you. Celebrate God's goodness to them with them. Now, why is this so important? Why is this the secret sauce? This is the secret sauce because here's what jealousy tends to do. Jealousy tends to pit us against the people that we're jealous of. That's what I said earlier. We're mad at them for pulling ahead of us in a race that they don't even know where they're running. The happens is someone gets ahead of us a little bit, and we instantly put ourselves against them and say, and again, it's misdirected because it's really God's fault. But we look ahead, across them, and then we're like, how they have more than me. We're competitive. They have better than me. That could have been my opportunity, my position, my, my influence, whatever it is that we're dealing with. 
And so we find ourselves on the opposite ends. We feel our jealousy makes us feel competitive with people. And what it does is they might not feel competitive to you, but if you're jealous long enough, they will. Because you start treating them with undercutting statements or passive-aggressive behavior. After a while, they're going to be like, what's your problem? And all of a sudden, you made a competition. If they hear you're gossiping about them and criticizing them behind their back and it comes back to them, they say, what's your problem? You're going to become competitors that they didn't even know they were until you acted that way. That's what jealousy does. But if we can celebrate God's goodness to them, with them, we move from being competitors and we come alongside of them and say, hey, isn't God good? He's been good to me and he's been really good to you in a special way. I'm glad that God's good to people like me and he's been so good to you. That's wonderful. I'm happy for you. Congratulations. You move from competitor to teammate to fellow human. And, and, and it, takes all the, it takes all the toxicity out. By the way, if they were competitive to you, if they were sitting there saying, aha, I got a promotion, nee, 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 you know, if they probably aren't, that's probably our minds, but if they were, and then you gossip and you act passive aggressive, you just validate that they were right. But when you come alongside of someone like that, they can't even taunt. Because they're like, hey, you're like, hey, that's awesome, congratulations. Huh? Yeah. Took all the fun out of that because you're happy with them. And probably they're not even that disgruntled at you. It's in your own mind. So quit competing against somebody and being jealous of them because it's not their fault. It's God's fault. Take it up with him and remember how good he's been. And then celebrate God's goodness to you. And celebrate God's goodness to them. And then go celebrate God's goodness to them with them. Come alongside of them and say, hey, I want you to know that I think that I know you're excited about it and I'm just happy for you. Man, put her there. High five. That's great. Good job. Sincerely. And it will take, it will take the temperature down. It will take the tension out of the room. It will do so much healing. Relationally, yes. Emotionally for you, because you won't be competing with somebody who's not worth competing with anyhow. You'll be celebrating with fellow humans that God's good to people. See, but he was better to them. And he's better to you than he was. If you won the geographical lottery, so to speak, if you were born in America, and we have all the blessings we have in the nation, and I'm, I'm just saying that in a way to make you think, we are the blessed ones in the world today. And I don't want you to walk around and feel like, you know, worthless and, and, and bad that God's been good to you in the ways he's been good to you. And I hope that people who have less aren't hating you for it. But why would we look at the people who happen to have more than we do? And we're also blessed. And say, yeah, well, God can, be, God can be good to them and me. He can be even as good, to, as good to them as he is to me. But he just can't be better to them than he is to me. Why would we go there? What we have to do there is say, no, 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 no. I'm going to celebrate God's goodness to anybody. And if I come on the winning end of something, it's not a competition anyhow. Thank you for your goodness to me. If they come out ahead, awesome. Thank you for your goodness to them. By the way, to you, thank you. Congratulations. I'm happy that God's been good to you because I'm celebrating God's goodness. And it might sound simple, it might sound hard, but celebration is the secret sauce to dealing with jealousy. This protects your heart. So a man named Jerry Sternan, who spent time in Vietnam trying to help kids who were decimated from the war, living in villages that were ransacked and were in poverty and, and under the years and decades to follow, he was trying to get in there and, and get food programs to sponsors and, and government programs to feed the needy. 
And as he was doing it, people undercut his funding and he couldn't do it. And he had to find creative ways within the population without funding to help solve malnutrition in children. And he did an amazing job. wrote a book about positive deviance. And in his book, Jerry Sternan made a statement that is so good. He said this. He said, it's easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than to think your way into a new way of acting. Now, that could be applied in poorly in certain areas and really well in other areas. That applies really well with jealousy. Like you say, oh, I just don't, I'm jealous. Do something about it. Go celebrate with them. Say, yeah, but I don't. Look, it's easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than to think your way into a new way of acting. Or if I can say it this way for today's sermon, it goes like this. Don't wait until you feel like celebrating. Celebrate until you feel like it. That's the secret. That's the secret when you're dealing with jealousy. You just go celebrate anyhow. And it changes everything. Who is it in your life that we're talking about today? If you have someone that you're jealous of, you probably already have them in your mind or you're not thinking about it intentionally. And if you were to pray a prayer in a moment during our quiet time and say, God, who's that person I'm jealous of? You might not even want to pray the prayer because you already know the answer. Who is that person? Celebrate God's goodness to you. It's not about them. It's not, what are they supposed to do about it? Celebrate. You know, take it to God. Take it to God. Say, God, you owe me. Wait, 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 wait. You owe me, but come to think of it. No, I owe you. Celebrate God's goodness to you. Celebrate God's goodness to them. And then, and then go and reach out to them and celebrate God's goodness to them with them. I hope you can experience what it means to be living debt-free. To find relational health and find emotional freedom from all these things, including jealousy, the thought that God owes you. Let me wrap up the whole series by saying this. A lot of people talk about having a high IQ, an intelligence quota or whatever. The thing about IQ is that, first of all, you really you can't control it. You can learn and you can apply yourself, but just natural God-given IQ is just something that happens to people, right? You try and raise it a bit, work at it some, somewhat, but IQ is IQ. But what's underspoken about, and people are starting to talk about this more and more over the last few years and a couple decades now, is something else. It's called EQ. EQ. What is EQ? EQ is emotional intelligence. There's a lot of people with an intellect, but they don't have any emotional intelligence. And what people are finding out is that people with a high emotional intelligence go further in the world than people with a high intelligence. That if you had to pick one or the other, pick a high EQ over a high IQ. It's so much better. It's better people to work with, to hire, to work for you, to, to, to work under, to, to uh, be friends with, to, to build a business with, to do anything with. People, to, those people who get far, those people who become influencers successfully long-term, not just short-term off their giftings. People who can sustain anything have a better EQ than IQ. Emotional intelligence. This series has all been about trying to address the emotional side of our life. Because I promise you something right now. No matter what else is going on, if we are emotionally unhealthy, if we are filled with guilt, anger, greed, or jealousy, if we are wrestling with I owe you, you owe me, I owe me, or God owes me, not only are our relationships suffering from those that we won't confess to, those we won't forgive, those we withhold our generosity from, or those that we aim our jealousy at, not only do those relationships all suffer, but we carry the spiritual and emotional burden and the unhealth. And as a pastor, and as a friend, and as a communicator, all I want for you in this series is to live debt-free from those things, to find the freedom to be your best self. 
And so if any point along the series, something nudged your heart and got you excited, don't forget about it. Do something with it. And if any point along the series, something kind of rubbed up against you the wrong way, don't write it off or dismiss it or get critical. Lean into why. What is it? What's the source? Of why is that? And find emotional health. Find emotional freedom. Live debt free. Because it's the best way to live a rich life. Father, as we get ready to wrap this up in a little bit here with a couple songs here and an announcement, I, I just pray that as we get ready for prayer time, for quiet time here for just a moment, that you would take this moment here and that you would, God, that you would speak to our hearts. And maybe it's today's topic specifically because that's today's topic. Maybe it's any time the last few weeks. If there's something in us, Lord, help us to, to, to let you do a work in us, a work through us, to help set us free. Help us to, in relationship to set others free through our choices, but help us to find freedom for ourselves in today's talk or, or the last few weeks. Speak to us. Do a work in us, I pray. Lord, if there's anyone here who does not know you, I pray that they would find that you've been so good by providing them eternal life, giving your son to die for their sins, to rise again, so we have eternal life. That today they would reach out and as we're praying in just a moment here, they would put their faith in you. They would accept your goodness, accept your grace. And then all of us today would celebrate the goodness of God. To us, to, to others, and with others. So thank you for this reminder. Bless us all, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.